1: Well, let's get going. Uh, my name's Kevin Howard. I'm the executive pastor here at Sunrise Church. I have that honor and privilege, and I work with, you know, vision and mission and keep us going towards the cross and Jesus Christ. And But really, the part that I love is I get to live life with the staff and, and pour into them and encourage them and support them and walk with them. And this is my beautiful wife. If some of you don't know her, Chris Howard. We've been... <laughs> We've been married 24 years, and, and so two things that I always hear uh, when people one thing I always hear when people meet my wife, and it could be a, a little kid, a boy or girl, older, it, you know, whoever it is, they meet her, and then they come to me, and I hear the same exact thing, and they go, uh, "How did you get her?" <laughs> seriously, it's the same thing. And I say, I tricked her. And so like every January 1st, I trick her again. And so, uh, and then once uh, they hear her teach and preach, they are hesitant, but they come up to me kind of shy and say, can I share something with you? And I'm like, sure. And they go, she's a better preacher than you. And I'm like, I know, I know, I know all that stuff. But we're, it's a privilege for us to be up here. This story that we're going to look at today is a story for all of us, but it's our story too. It's a personal story. And and so we're in doing good, aren't we? And Jesus is active and he's healing. Just this morning, someone that's uh, dear to me and friends, they've been praying for their daughter who had a, a cancer and it's completely gone now and healed, right? And so we, we get us, and we're going to look at that today. You know, the greatest healing is forgiveness of sins that only Jesus Christ can do and it's salvation. But we're also seeing that in this story that Jesus heals, he heals our inside. And then he heals the outside. So it's an exciting time right now. So I'm going to just tell you the story, and then Chris is going to read it, and I'll pray, and we'll get going. We're really looking at four different things today. Uh, The guys carrying the mat, we're going to look at them. We're going to look at the paralyzed person that's on the mat. We're going to look at Jesus' response. It's a beautiful response he has. Then we're going to look at where we're at in the story. As you sit here right now, where are you at in the story? Because we're going to be in the story. and. So Jesus has been healing, and, and he got baptized, and there's all kinds of things going. He's really, uh, the crowds are drawn to him right now because he is the Messiah, right? The very start of Mark says, the good news, the Messiah has provided salvation for us. That's the good news, that we have a Lord that provides salvation. So he's home in uh, Capernaum, and he's at a house, and people are just packed in. And, and so these four men could be women. It, you know, they're carrying a paralyzed friend. They're carrying... Someone that they care about to Jesus. And they get to the house and it's packed, right? And they can't get in. So they go up the stairs and literally they uh, dismantle the house. You know, I mean, they tear into it. They rip at the heart and fabric and dig a big hole. And they lower their friend down in front of Jesus. They were going to do anything they could to get their friend to Jesus. And then we see Jesus' response is beautiful. He says, in a sense, you're five, the five of you, you're at your faith, your faith and action he looks at the paralyzed man and he goes, your sins are forgiven that only Jesus Christ can do. So he provides this he provides salvation that if you don't have, that's why we're here. We want to talk to you about receiving and accepting and surrendering to that salvation and forgiveness of sins in this new life that only Jesus can provide. And when he says your sins are forgiven, and then, of course, we always got this other crowd and they're the legalists, you know, and the scribes and the leaders and in their heart and in their mind, they're debating and they're arguing and they're saying, this can't be. Who does he think he is? He's blaspheming. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knows what's going on in their spirit. And he says, I'll not only forgive this person's sin for you here on earth so you can see my power, but I'm also going to heal him. Mm. And then he says to the gentleman in the mat, get up. Pick up your mat and go. And he got up. And then it says, what happens, this is sunrise, right? Our heart is for those that are hurt and the least last and the lost because we're that. Mm-hmm. We're all broken and hurt and we're all in a sense paralyzed somehow, right? But they said when they saw it that they were astonished and they were amazed. And when we're astonished and amazed about Jesus Christ, what do we do? We praise Him. And so there was this excitement. So that's the story that we're gonna look at today and dig in and it's our personal story too.
2: Hey, let's read God's Word. Mark 2, 1 through 12 in the Amplified. Jesus returned to Capernaum, and a few days later the news went out that he was at home. So many people gathered together that there was no longer room for them, not even near the door, and Jesus was discussing with them the Word of God. Then they came, bringing to him a paralyzed man who was being carried by four men, When they were unable to get to him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above Jesus. And when they had dug out an opening, they let down the mat on which the paralyzed man was lying. When Jesus saw their active faith springing from confidence in him, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there debating in their hearts the implication of what he had said. Why did this man talk this way? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins, remove guilt, nullify sin's penalty, and assign righteousness except God alone? Immediately, Jesus, being fully aware of their hostility and knowing in his spirit that they were thinking this, he said to them, Why are you debating and arguing about these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, Or to say, Get up and pick up your mat and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has the authority and power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, I say to you, Get up, pick up your mat, and go home. And he got up and immediately picked up his mat and went out before all of them so that they were all astonished, and they glorified and praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this before.
1: Let's pray. Let's pray and get ready. Uh, Lord, we come before you, and your word is active and alive, and it pierces, and we exhale whatever's going on, and just we prepare, Lord. You want to speak to us, and and we thank you for this story. We, this is all of our stories. We're in this story somehow. Some of us aren't even close to helping someone on the mat, Lord. We're isolated, and we're hurt, and we've made some vows about relationships, and we don't trust, and we're just on the peripheral, and some of us are heading towards the mat, God, and we thank you for that, and and we thank you for the ones that are carrying a friend right now uh, to you, Jesus. That's the only answer for wherever we're at is that we become closer to you, and we move towards you, and you know, I thank you for their sacrifice, and I thank you for their commitment, and then some of us, Lord, need to get on the mat, and you know, we, we, it's hard to surrender. It's hard to humble ourselves in that way. It's hard to trust you and trust others. Some of us, uh, Lord, in this story, uh, uh, pretend that we get on the mat. And, and uh, you know, we want others to carry our sin. And we want others to carry our consequences or our finances. But we're really not surrendered to you, Lord. We, we don't want you to. Know, we don't want that accountability with you or that relationship with you. We just want the healing, Lord. And then there's some of us that are on the mat, and that's a beautiful place when you look up and you see friends, you see people surrounding you, you see support, Lord. And then, Lord, the the ultimate answer is always the same. That no matter where we're at, that we got to come to you, and they carry, and your response is beautiful, and you forgive his sins so he's saved, and then you heal his. You heal his body so he can walk. And, and so, Lord, you've done that to many of us. So we're somewhere in the story today. So continue to show us and what the next step is. And we thank you for this, just this moment, Lord, uh, to be in your word. Let it, we, we, we want to give you permission to, it, it changes, it transforms, it renews us, Lord. We're, we, we become new in you. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Amen. Amen carrying the mat. At this point in Jesus' ministry, he had been avoiding the towns and staying in more remote places just because he had to manage the crowds because his popularity had grown so rapidly. But in this story, we know that he just returned to Capernaum. The first thing that comes to my mind when I picture these four friends of the paralytic is the news of Jesus' arrival. I think about that. I can only imagine back then how news of something big or something exciting was spread, right? Like we have Twitter and litter and bookface and instigator, right? And we can get news out right away. <laughs> but back then, what they had, they just had their mouths. They just had their their excitement, the looks on their faces, and they would run around telling all the people they knew, and maybe even strangers. Good news, things they were excited about that they wanted people to be a part of. So these four men, we're going to look at these four men. We, uh, they wanted to get their friend to Jesus. They heard that the healer was in town, right? They thought of their friend. They thought of their paralyzed friend, We don't know for sure the relationship between these five men, right? We don't know a lot about that, but there are some things that we can assume. We can assume that they were caring. We can assume that they noticed the need of people around them. We know that they had faith, and we know that they believed in Jesus, that he could heal, and they were willing to do whatever it took, no matter what, to get their needy paralyzed and hurting broken friend to the healer so they laid down their lives that day they got radical in their commitment didn't they gosh i just love this story because i love their faith i love their determination and their love and their perseverance their unity and their courage it's such a great story can you imagine the journey that they had that day So they got all excited. They talked about it and they're like, Jesus the healer is here. Let's go get that paralyzed man. Let's just go get him and let's take him. So we don't even know. They might have had to walk a long way to get to him, but then how long did they have to carry him? How far did they maybe have to carry their friend to get to Jesus that day? Then they get there and the crowds are so huge, they can't even get in, they couldn't even get to the door. What must they have been thinking at that moment, do you think? I think we know what they were thinking. They were thinking, whatever it takes, we are getting in there, right? And so when we look at this story, when we look at what happens next, that's the only conclusion we can come to, was they just they were radically committed to getting him to Jesus. And so then can we picture what it would have been actually like to maneuver their friend up to the roof, and he lays there on his mat while they dig this hole. It's not some tiny hole that just our body would just slide into, right? He's on the mat, and they're going to lower him down into this house. So it's a ginormous hole, and he's waiting, and they're digging it. Can you imagine all of his feelings and everything going on? This story is an example, friends. It's a great example of how Jesus wants us to feel about bringing the needy to him. Excited, passionate, and radical. So let's talk about what Jesus is teaching us. Number one, Jesus wants our eyes on the hurting. This requires something, and that is for us to be less self-focused, right? And one way that we can quickly get less self-focused is when we simply consider all that God has done for us. No matter our own pain, no matter our own suffering, no matter our own needs, we can always, always be humbled by what God has done to save us, right? Gratitude is our most powerful attitude. It's our most powerful attitude. Number two, Jesus wants us to be enthusiastic about his healing power. He wants us to be excited about it. Do we even understand his healing power what a great testimony kev shared this little girl becoming cancer free i bet they're going to tell everyone they know i bet they want to tell the whole world right when i i have experienced god's healing power kevin and i have he healed our marriage we know what that feels like and when i hear someone that's considering divorce or struggling i can't wait to tell them have hope God can heal. God can move Mount Everest if you put your hope in Him. He can do anything if you humble yourself and ask Him for help. He's done it for Kevin and I. And when we, as a body, when we've experienced God's healing power for ourselves, we are more passionate, right? We're more passionate to take people to Him. And like I said, then out of our gratitude, it changes our attitude, it changes our perspective. Gratitude is powerful. Number three, whatever pit they're in, pick them up, right? How many of you know someone that's stuck? I bet you all of us in this room, if it's not ourselves, we know someone that's stuck emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically. They just can't seem to get out of the pit. It's such a painful thing. There are times when people just need to be carried by a friend. They need to be lifted up and walk the long walk to healing what are we supposed to do we're supposed to show up we're supposed to show up at their door we're supposed to show up at their office we're supposed to show up at the bar wherever their pit is pick them up right and number four dig that hole in the roof sometimes we have to just be willing to get our hands dirty it's like Kev was mentioning earlier, sometimes we're just scared and we don't even know what it looks like to really help the needy, but we gotta, God wants us to get our hands dirty. Think about what he did to help us in our need, right? What, what could we do that would be even close to that? Sometimes helping the needy is tough and sometimes we just have to look for the loophole, right? We have to remove the obstacle. We have to dig the hole, but in all these efforts, In all our passion and our perseverance and our commitment and our radical faith, we have to remember something. We cannot forget that we're not God. We just have a part, right? Only God can heal. God has a part, we have a part, and our person in need has a part. And God is so glorified and brings so much joy when we just do just our part. Kev's going to talk about being on the mat.
1: I want to talk a little bit about being on the mat as as a a pastor and a shepherd. And just, you know, I love you guys. I like carrying the mat. (laughs) I've carried the mat many times to the cross with my friends in many different ways. But I'm going to talk about being on the mat. And and it was in 2013, and I was on the mat uh, for two and a half years. And and I want to say before I uh, start sharing is what I meant for harm because I sinned and I blew up a lot of things. God made good. God used that time on the mat to heal me in a way I never would have been healed to heal my relationship with him and my family. And so what I meant for harm, he meant for good. And I wouldn't trade one moment, one minute, one uh, conversation, one situation or circumstance, but I don't want to go through it again. You know, it's a, it was a two-and-a-half-year journey, and so, um, and it always starts back here before we reach for something, and, you know, I've been sober 20, over 20 years, and, and, but I'm back here, and I feel like I'm successful at work, but I'm a failure at home, and I start separating myself from God, and I start separating myself from my wife and those that I work with, and ironically, I'm leading a discipleship ministry, which is about relationship, right? But I'm, I'm caught. I'm, I'm hurting. I'm alone I'm isolating and then I hurt my shoulder and I go into the doctor and the doctor asked me would you like some pain pills and I couldn't have said yes quicker I just said yes absolutely I do and so that I entered into eight months of being a full-blown active addict and I lied and I cheated and I covered up and I hid and I manipulated and I stole and I used my position and influence to get drugs Man, it was hard, right? But I couldn't stop. If I could have stopped, I would have, but I couldn't stop. I was kind of just praying that the Lord stop me somehow. Just, I got to stop. I'm going to die. I'm going to lose everything. And, and then there was this gentleman. He's, he's probably about 5'5", five, five, and a real gruff guy. And he comes up to me on a Friday night, and he says, I'm going to ask you one question. Would you tell me the truth? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, did you take some of my pain pills? And I took a deep breath, and I knew it was over. I had no idea what it was going to be like to be on the mat, but I said, yes, I did. And we went into my office, and I just broke. And it's one of those cries where, you know, it's just at the end, now i got to face everybody, and i got to face God, and i got to face my sin, you know. But he just held me, and he prayed for me. And I said, what do you want me to do next, sir? And so it began a process of me getting on the mat, you know, and confessing to all the pastors, the senior pastor. And then Chris and I stood in front of 70 staff people. Mm -hmm. She was right beside me, and I told them every single thing I did. That was the beginning of me getting on the mat. But I wasn't quite on it yet because kind of, you know, you feel good after you confess. It's out in the open, and I want to run and hide. And, I, you know, and God said, no, no, you're going to be on the mat for a while, buddy. And you're used to getting off it. You're used to out-muscling it, out-thinking it, out-smarting it, right? You're going to stay on the mat. And he said, in fact, you're going to stay at this church. You're going to stay at the same church that you sinned at, and you're going to walk through the front door with your head high, and you're going to be a member. And so I did that for two and a half years. One day I was leading. Vibrant, you know, leading, and the next day I'm walking through the front door as a, as a person that's on a mat and needing help, and that began this began this journey of, you know, of, of landscaping and Craigslist and and uh, uh, what do we do every week? Garage sales, garage sales <laughs> over, you know, but but this beautiful thing happened when I was on the mat. Um, I wasn't alone. My small group that I was in, I finally learned what community was by being on the mat, not being up here spouting stuff about it, right? Mm -hmm. And, And they surrounded us, and they paid our rent, and they paid for my kids' stuff, and they... They just kept serving us and giving to us, and I went in, and I got food stamps. I've never done any of that. You know, I've asked you guys to do it, and I said, hey, it's something that you have to do, but we got food stamps, and we got insurance, we got help. We, ha- we had absolutely nothing. Some of you here, and you know who you are, helped us during that time, but I was on the mat, and I couldn't provide, and I couldn't protect my, you know, I was just, but it was a beautiful beginning of healing. Being on the mat is where all you can do is look up, and you see surround. You're surrounded by friends, and you look up, and you see God. He puts he put me on my back, so I'd have to look up. So during this course, it was uh, uh, it went from you know this humiliation and humbling thing to it, it got beautiful. Um, I've always had some ability to lead and some skills, but my character and integrity were really lagging. And 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 God's like I'm gonna grow you up during this time. Well, I tried to get off the mat like many of us do before the work's done. Now, there's some of you that need to get off the mat. It's been long enough, but I like to get off it early before the work's done, <laughs> right? We're all in this together. And I wanted to get up, and I thought I was ready, and, and then I literally, I got so sick, I almost died. I just kind of exploded, and um, I lost seven bags of blood. I lost half my blood, and I ended up in a hospital, and for a week and almost died. So I was on the mat again, you know, and I couldn't get out of bed, and I was depressed, and I was suicidal. And again, the same thing happened. God said, I want to heal you. I want to heal your heart with me. I want you to draw near to me. That's always the answer. And so again, the same thing happened. For two and a half years, I kid you not, guys, I did the best I could to provide in those ways, but he said just, and people supported us and encouraged us, and, you know, it was just... So humbling, but you know what? Deep down it felt good because you know what? I wasn't alone. I believed so many things that weren't true. That you're always gonna end up alone. People will betray you, you got out, muscle, you. you gotta take care of yourself, right? God blew all that stuff up, but he began to to heal us and heal our marriage during this time. And it was just this wonderful, wonderful, humbling. It was the hardest thing I've ever went through, and it was the greatest thing I went through. It was the ugliest thing I could have done, and it ended up being the most beautiful thing that could have happened. And um, I learned so much about God, and I learned so much that he's my father in intimacy. So that, but Matt's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because you've got to come face-to-face with the truth of who Jesus is, face-to-face with the truth of who I was at that point. And so I just want to talk through a couple things that I've learned when I was on the mat. And one is we are, uh, we're broken in ways we can't understand, but we're made whole in ways we never could imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, I was broken in ways I didn't understand. And by me getting on the mat and just allowing others, I, I got to be honest, for the first time in my life, from my background, to begin to trust people, begin to receive and not always give, um, God made me whole in ways that I, way beyond, I'm so glad that uh, this gentleman came up to me and put an end to the farce that I was leading of a life. And number two, Jesus knows the difference between our real need and our greatest need. (laughs) We think we're getting on the mat for these, you know, these needs, but you know what the greatest need is? That we need a, a God, a Savior that forgives our sins and washes us whiter than snow, right, and redeems us and restores us. That's what our need is. The other thing I learned is stay on the mat till Jesus is done with you. And I know that's hard, and I know it takes trust, and I know you've got to give up stuff, and I know I lost everything, but I gained the world. I gained, you know, I had sold my soul before and lost it, you know. And then brokenness is part of our story. Brokenness is part of my story, but it certainly isn't my identity. It's not my identity. My identity is that I'm a child of God, and then I have a father, and that I'm a husband, and I have children and and that I am forgiven. And and I can have a healthy marriage and have intimacy and have closeness with God and those that I love. Mm -hmm. That's what our identity is. And then here's a big one for me. And I think for those of you that haven't got on the mat or are isolated or that are lone wolves or alone. Is you're really not alone. Look at this church. Last service was just like this. You're not alone. We push people away, yeah, but you're not alone. And that was the most beautiful thing for me is we is way better than me. Uh, this is kind of corny, but the worst small group I've ever been in is me, myself, and I. <laughs> That's not good. But I wasn't alone, and people didn't give up on me, and they kept washing me with the word, and they were relentlessly saying stay on the mat and we will provide whatever you and your family need so you can heal and we believe in you. So the truth is we're not alone. The lie from Satan is he wants to kill and murder you and steal everything and he's going to tell you that you're alone and you're not. And so for me getting on the mat was the hardest thing I've ever done but it was the best thing I've ever done and I'm so grateful you know who you are out there. Thank you so much during that season for helping me provide for my family and protect them. I am forever grateful to you.
2: I'm grateful too. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are just doing what they did in the story, just celebrate, right? Just giving God glory. You guys are clapping for the Lord, and Kevin and I are so grateful. Thank you sunrise has always been our church family even when we were in idaho and we're just we're here largely because of your prayers and and unconditional love for us so let's talk about how jesus responded that day i'm trying to imagine uh in that moment when the mat was lowered down and jesus was was watching right it reminds me of uh, what i like most about weddings The look on the groom's face when the bride's walking down the aisle, right? (laughs) I can just see Jesus' face when the last of the roof had been removed. He knew what was going on. But down comes this man on a mat and four faithful friends hanging on real tight so he doesn't fall off, making sure he gets down there to Jesus safely. I can just imagine the look on it, the grin on his face. He loved that. He loved their faith. He loved that they took care of this needy man. He loved them. I don't know if Jesus ever got to talk to the four guys that day, but I can imagine he gave them a huge hug and said, Thank you, and I love you, right? Family, God is glorified when we believe in him. When we come to him with faith and confidence, I love this, confidence springing into action. Confidence in God, believing that he can do what he says and he is who he says he is. It brings him glory and not just glory, but joy. It makes him draw near to us and us drawing near to him when we have faith. So after, after this whole story, in the last verse, it says they were all astonished. They were in awe, and they gave glory to God. They praised him, saying, we have never seen anything like this. And that is exactly what Jesus wanted. He's, he knew that whole time what was going to happen that day, right? He wanted for everyone to see that he is God. He wanted them to see that he has the power to save and to heal so they would believe and be drawn to him. Everything God does is to draw us to him. When he gave his greatest sacrifice and sent his son to die for us, what was it for? For us to have relationship with him, for us to be in intimacy with him. That's everything he is about. So when we overview what happened, we picture the whole scene that took place that day, right? All these people, lots of people gathered inside and outside of this house to hear Jesus, to hear his wisdom, to hear uh, the gospel. And suddenly, there's this noise for those that are inside the house, right? Because the outside people can see what's going on. They're like, what the heck are those guys doing? But inside the house, they're hearing all this rustling, and it's getting loud and distracting. We could probably liken it to having, like, a huge critter up in our attic to, you know, like, building the nest up there or something. I've experienced that. I hate it. Um, But but it goes on for a while, right? It's just, it's, it's. A curious noise. But Jesus keeps talking. He keeps preaching. He knows what's going on. So after a long time, this ongoing noise and activity, they see. They see. They see the boldness and the passion and the radical faith of few men. It's crazy what's happening. Then they hear God. They hear him grant salvation to this paralyzed man, Because of his faith, Jesus didn't even have a conversation with him. He just said, because of your faith, what I'm seeing right now, your sins are forgiven. Then they hear Jesus read the minds of the scribes, right? And he confronts them on their hostility. They're seeing a lot. Then he proves to everyone that he is who he says he is. And not only forgives sins, but heals this paralyzed man a man they'd probably been watching for years, right? They'd probably walked by him on the roadside a hundred times and had pity on him, right? And here he is, that same guy, standing up, picking up his mat, parting the crowd, and walking out the door. Imagine all the conversations that took place that night as people went home, right? Not just that night, but for days and weeks and months. When, when we see a miracle, when we experience God's healing, right? When we, we can't not talk about it. We can't not talk about it. And that's exactly what God wants. These men, for 2,000 years, their story has brought glory to God. These five men, they never imagined that would happen, right? They had no idea back then that 20 centuries later, millions of people, would have been inspired by their faith in action. I want to be that person, right? It is true, though, that it's not always a same-day Matt Miracle, is it? We know that. Sometimes it's years. Whatever it is, days or months or years, God glorifies himself through our faith. He brings glory to himself and lifts us up when we trust in him. When we have faith in the journey and we don't give up, I think about the long journey of our marriage, Matt, and I'm just going to share a brief story with you about a um, big pity party that I had. Um, we're all family here, so we're all in this together, right? It was during the the hardest years where it gets darkest before the dawn, you know, and uh, we Kevin and I both worked at the church at that time, and we just lived four minutes from there, and in that four minutes, I managed to become about four inches tall, having my little pity party. I just was mad. I was tired of carrying the mat. I just wanted to be led. I was like, Lord, why do I have to be the spiritual leader in my house? I'm tired of that. I want my husband to lead me I want him to be at home like he is at church, and I see how he leads and is all nice and all that. I want that at home. I'm tired of being the one that has to confront and speak your word and lift everybody up. Yeah, it was a big pity party. So the Lord responded to me pretty quickly without coddling me, and he said, so what if you do have to carry the marriage mat right now? What exactly is your problem? (laughs) What do you think you deserve, my dearest, dearest Chris? That you should complain to me in this way. And then he said, I died for you. I died for your sin. I died for your pride and your arrogance and your self-righteousness. So take that plank out of your eye. So you can see clearly what's really happening here. And then he said, you're not carrying the marriage mat. I am. And then he said, I love you. I love you. Just know that. Now put your big girl panties on. We're not done. About three years later, we were off the mat, and uh, we got to lean it up in the garage and have it there for when somebody else needed to be carried on it, right? I praise God for that. I praise God for any moment, any opportunity. We have to talk about what he's done. We're so grateful.
1: Thanks. So. All right, so we looked at carrying the mat, and on the mat, Jesus' response, and now we want to do a little work that we always want to do at the end of you know God's word is it's time for a response and my question to you is where are you in the story mm-hmm. every one of you as you sit here currently not years ago you're in the story and so I just want to paint a picture and then I want to pray for us maybe you're not even in the story right now maybe you're isolated and alone and you pushed everyone away and you're blaming and complaining and you hunger for meaningful healthy relationships but you don't know how to have them and you don't pursue them And you just sit out there alone. And you're a long ways from Jesus. And you're a long ways from serving. Maybe some of you have been hurt deeply. You know, deeply by the church, by family, by spouse, by friends. And you're just watching from a distance also. And you made this vow that I'm never going to trust anybody again. Because the hurt is so deep. You built these walls to protect yourself. But really what you've done is you built a prison. We built a prison. That we're trapped inside. Maybe you're scared and you don't know what to do. I can guarantee us as staff, anytime we head into a situation, we are scared and don't know what to do. So it's pretty common, right? I mean, how would we know what to do in these things? We have to trust the Holy Spirit. You want to serve, but your fear is stronger. You're afraid, so you keep relationships safe and surface you're never going to share too much or you selectively share. You're never going to receive too much because then you have to go in and enter, you know, their, you know into their life. You don't want to really know what's going on in someone's heart because then you'd have to respond. And you just are scared. You might not know what to do. You think all the pressure's on you, and it's not. Probably like me, I was doing everybody's part, their part, God's part, and my part, right? All we have to do is our part. Maybe you're like the scribes where you're close to Jesus but you don't have a personal relationship with him and you're not celebrating. You're not rejoicing when someone that is far from Jesus Christ comes and has salvation and they're healed physically. You're always critiquing and judging and assuming the worst of people. You walk by anybody on the mat because it's their fault that they're on the mat. They deserve to be on the mat. It's something that, you know. You're always debating and arguing things in your heart. You often look out, but you rarely ever look within. Mm. I've been there. Maybe that's you right now. The answer is the same. The forgiveness of Jesus Christ and the love of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're like the four men or women carrying the mat. You're willing to do whatever it takes to get your needy, paralyzed, broken, dear, hurting friend to Jesus Christ. And thank you for doing that. That's Mm. us. That's our church. Our heart is for the least last and the lost and the oppressed. Right? Mm -hmm. We bring them in here. We get them to Jesus. You're willing to lay your life down, your finances, your schedule, your hobbies to carry your friends to Jesus. You're radically committed to your part. In fact, you're intentionally looking for moments and looking for opportunities to help people up or to take people to Jesus. You know, the only hope. Because you've been there, you've been on the mat. You know the only hope is that you got to take them to Jesus Christ, the healing power of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're like I was for many years. You you you've pretended to get on the mat. You say you've hit bottom, but your behaviors and actions speak a whole different story. You want others to carry your sins and your consequences. You want others to carry your burdens and mistakes, your finances. You want healing without Jesus. (laughs) You want healing without any relationship or accountability. You want repentance without taking a responsibility for your actions. And maybe you're like the paralyzed man on the mat. You've come to the end of yourself and the beginning of God. You finally understand that you can't save yourself. There's only one Savior. You've cried out to God and you surrendered everything. You've accepted that there is a God and, and, and you're not it. I'm not it and you're willing to lose everything to be healthy, to be in vibrant, meaningful, real relationships with those that you love. You've chosen to trust others. When I was on the mat, I wasn't trustworthy, but you've chosen to trust others because they're trustworthy, and they care about you. And the beautiful thing about being on the mat is when you look up, you see people, four people, many people that are caring you, that care about you, and they're taking you to Jesus. So where are you at right now in the story? And then my next question is, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, In our notes, I have some questions that if you're not sure where you're at in the story or not sure what to do next, process through those questions with someone. And I guarantee, guarantee I believe at the end that you'll have some movement in any of these areas and the movement is always towards relationship and the movement's always towards Jesus Christ. And then some of you right now, this could be the day of salvation that you could have forgiveness of your sins and you know who you are. Let's talk. Mm -hmm. Let's talk. We'll take you to the cross. There's many people around here. Go to the person next to you and tell them that I'm finally ready to surrender. I'm finally ready to believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins and was buried again. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we come before you, and we thank you for this story. The story is all about you, that you're there, and you're waiting for us, and you're the only one that can provide salvation and forgiveness of our sins. And those that want it right now, Lord, in their spirit, they can cry out to you. They can surrender to you. They can trust you. And you tell us that if we believe that you're the Savior, if we believe that you're the good news, if we believe that, that we're saved, Lord, and bring salvation. But also there's some of us that are isolated and way away. God, bring them in a little closer. I know there's hurt. I know there's frustrations. I know there's pain. But the only way we can heal is in relationship. And then those of us uh, that are carrying the mat, Lord, thank you for them. Bless them. Encourage them. Lord, those of us that are pretending to get on the mat, do your work in us. Do your work in us, Lord. Kindness leads to repentance. You want all of us. You want us to completely surrender. You want us to trust you and trust others. You want us to stay on it until the work's been done. And those of us on the mat, Lord, what a humbling, beautiful, hard time. We're we're helpless in a sense, but not hopeless. Where We're uh, beginning to heal, and we have this just amazing uh, hope in you and for our future. Thank you for that. And Lord, we come um, humbly before you as a church, and we know outside our doors, there's many, many, many people that are hurting, and there's many people that are broken, and there's many people that are paralyzed. How could we do less? Lord, show us. Help us to invite them in to your cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for this opportunity. Love you guys.
0: Hi, Sunrise. uh, Pastor James. I'm really honored to introduce Pastor Steve Rochelle. Steve is at Sunset Presbyterian. Uh, Sunset's been a major church in our Washington County community for years. So how did you get here to Hillsboro, Washington County area?
3: I served at Union Church of Manila in the Philippines for uh, almost 13 years uh, as a senior pastor there. It was an international Interdenominational, intergenerational church, just a wonderful church. Wow. And um, it, my wife and I just sensed that the, in the, it was time to move back to the States. Um, and so we kind of started, pr- I mean, we've been praying for years and years. You probably would have never thought God would use you in that capacity again. That's right. So tell us that story. You had a motorcycle accident? On June 17, 2010, I was in a catastrophic motorcycle accident, and I broke my neck. I realized that it's, you can break your neck and be okay, but uh, the bones in your neck, but I suffered a nearly complete spinal cord injury. Um, they originally diagnosed it as a complete injury, and that's where the real problems you know, happened with the, the spinal cord. So I became quadriplegic, and I was uh, paralyzed from my shoulders down. Couldn't move anything. And I was told I would never walk again. That was uh, told over and over by the doctors. I'd never walk again. So I have been thinking a lot about what it means to be paralyzed. And I discovered, I mean there's so many lessons to share, but I, I discovered that it's not that you're either paralyzed or you're not paralyzed, that there are actually degrees of paralysis. So while I had this miraculous recovery in a sense that you know I'm able to walk Um, I still can't feel uh, any really any fine sensation below my shoulders as I've been kind of walking through that journey I've realized that we all suffer paralysis in some way and so that um, passage in Mark chapter 2 that uh, we see Jesus healing a paralytic I realized in that passage there was there's so many different types of paralysis. Um, the teachers of the law were paralyzed kind of mentally. They had a block. They were unable to move in how they saw Jesus. Obviously, the paralyzed man was paralyzed physically. Um, the crowd was paralyzed spiritually. They were blocking the paralytic from even getting to Jesus. And so I, I know and, and that we all suffer some form of paralysis, and therefore we all need a healing miracle what's fascinating about that scripture is you have a paralyzed man who obviously wants to, to get healed and but he couldn't move and I mean, I know that as a paralyzed man you're unable to do anything like my wife would have to Hoyer lift me out of my bed each morning just put me into another uh, a power chair to be able to move so he needed friends and the story says there are four friends who take his mat, and they try to get him to Jesus. But, you know, Jesus is so amazing and popular, everybody was always crowded around him. So the crowd stopped him. And in my mind, what would have been logical is for the four friends to just take the paralyzed man right back where they found him. Mm-hmm. And it, they, they could have just simply said, look, obviously it's crowded. We can't get, can't get you to Jesus. You know, We'll try next Monday or whatever. Um, but they, these friends are you know amazing. they stopped at nothing to get this paralytic to Jesus, and that has been my story. Um, I have experienced he, the the healing that has come through the faith of my friends
0: so uh, i 'd like to pray for you right now, Father, yes. I want to pray for Steve uh, for his wife, his um, heart for you, his heart for the church. Pray for sunset, God, uh, as they walk this new journey. May you remove the pain of the past. May you uh, just cause a, a forgetfulness to move over their heart for the brokenness and to only see the future. And that future is walking close to Jesus with their newfound pastor. God, all of us have hurt. All of us have pain. Like Steve said, we're all paralyzed in some way. We could look at that and stop or we could look at Jesus and know that Jesus is powerful enough to change us. And so for each of us,
1: I pray that would be true in Christ's name. Amen.
0: Amen.